This event was recorded live at the 2011 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Hello and welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. I'm Yvonne Manning and I'm delighted to be facilitating this session. Now, um, there is an opportunity for signing after um, the session and it's just in the signing tent right next to this tent so you don't have far to, to go. Uh, and there will be time for questions afterwards today, we promise. But don't worry if you don't get your chance because you'll be able to, to speak to our author later uh, at the signing tent. Now, our author has written over 50 books. She's sold millions worldwide and I'm a librarian, so this is really important for me. She's one of the top five most borrowed authors in our libraries. She's given us so many fantastic characters to read, but there's one in particular. You may have heard of him. A very mischievous boy, up to no good all the time, doing lots of bad things. Actually, he probably does things that we've all just thought about doing. And what's his name? Horrid Henry. Fantastic, most loved character. I love his books. Now, without further ado, please put your hands together and give a great big Edinburgh Book Festival welcome to our wonderful author, Francesca Simon. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Mm. Hi everyone, it is so wonderful to be here. Now that I can see you all so well, I need to check out a few things. First of all, I need to know how many people in this audience think that they're like Horrid Henry? Uh-oh, ushers, please, please keep an eye on these. How many people here think they're more like Perfect Peter? Ah, thank goodness, thank goodness. How many people here think they might be a mixture of both Henry and Peter? <laughs> I think everybody is a mixture of Henry and Peter. But I just wanted to know where I stand, where we need to watch the exits, where the police need to come. Um, thank you so much. It's re I'm, one of the reasons I'm very excited to be here is yesterday, my first copy of my absolutely brand new book, which is called Horrid Henry and the Zombie Vampire, which is not even published for two weeks, has sneakily arrived in Edinburgh. And I will be reading a story from it, from the new book for the very first time in the whole world. So I'm very excited about doing that, seeing all the pictures and everything together. Yes. Um, but first of all, I want to talk to you, tell you something about me, about writing, about Horrid Henry, and then I'll be able to answer some of your questions. Maybe you'll shock me with something I've never been asked before. And um, my son is here, but not in the room. He decided he'd heard me too many times, and I did warn him that if he's not here, I'll be rude about him, but that was not enough. So I can be truthful and not have to worry about his little scowling face. Um, right, I, as you can tell from my accent, even though I've lived in the UK for so many years that it's getting embarrassing. Um, I am American and I um, went to university here. Um, I did a very, very useful subject called Anglo-Saxon, <laughs> which is Old English. Um, I have subsequently discovered that it is a guaranteed subject to guarantee employment. I recommend everyone here should quickly go and learn as much as they can about Anglo-Saxon. There were seven of us on my course. Um, most of them became lawyers. Um, no, it, um, after I did Anglo-Saxon, which did turn out, in fact, to be very useful, because I think some of you have noticed that in Horrid Henry, there's a great deal of alliteration. And that means when the first two letters the first, the words start with the same letters, so Horrid Henry, H-H, Perfect Peter, P-P, etc. Um, 
That's one of the things I learned in my very useful course. So in fact, what I really did was Horrid Henry studies, except I didn't know that's what I was doing. But I used to be a journalist, which means I wrote for newspapers. And I started writing children's books just after Josh was born, my son, in 1989. So I seem to have a 21-year-old son, even though I don't admit to being anything older than 29. So I was obviously a, a uh, well, I wasn't even a teenage mother then. Um, but uh, I started writing when Josh was born, because I started getting lots of ideas, and carried on writing. Um, I live in London, and I live in a Victorian house. And I work at the top of my house. I have a very, very nice office, but it's very, very, very messy, which is unfortunate because it's quite difficult for me because Josh is a really messy kid. And it's very difficult for me to tell him to clean up his room when he just points to my office, which is very difficult to negotiate around because there's so many books and papers. And but one of the reasons in my defense that my office is so messy is because I do get hundreds of fan letters a week, which is very nice. But, um, and I do try to answer them all. But um, one of the questions that I get asked all the time is, where do you get your ideas from? Where do you get your ideas from? How do you get an idea? And I thought if I told you about all the different ways that I've got ideas, that will go some way to answering that question for you. Um, Writers get ideas in all kinds of ways, but I can promise you that I never ever get an idea if someone says, okay, come up with an idea and write a story. I would go completely blank. And writers get ideas the exact same way that we all get ideas. We get ideas from things that have happened to us, something that someone says, another book we've read, a dream, a little thing in the newspaper, all of these things. But what writers tend to do is develop the ideas, to think about them, to let them grow. And Horrid Henry started in a very, very simple way. Because before I wrote Horrid Henry, I used to write picture books. And my first picture book was called, But What Does the Hippopotamus Say? And to put you all out of your misery, because you're going to spend the rest of the session thinking, what does the hippopotamus say? I can tell you that the hippopotamus goes, hun. Would everyone just like to try being hippos for a moment? One, two, three, hun. A room full of hippos, OK? Um, I got the idea for this book because how many of you have younger brothers and sisters? A fair bit, so you know the misery of being an oldest child having annoying younger ones, yes. Um, though I have to say that my younger brothers and sister, I'm the eldest of four, do say that I was mean, horrible, and bossy, um, which I'm sure I wasn't. Actually, I think I was. But um, I got the idea for my very first picture book because, um, as those of you who have younger siblings will know, younger children love making animal noises and looking at animal noise books. And um, Joshua and I were sitting, and we were looking at a book of animals, and I pointed to the cow, and Josh went, and then I pointed to the horse, and Josh went, Nay. and then Josh pointed to the caterpillar and looked at me. And I thought, what does the caterpillar say? And that's how I got the idea for my first book, because I thought it would be really fun to do a book about all the animal noises that, with animals that you always have in children's books, like giraffes and zebras, but you have no idea what they say. So that's one way of getting an idea, but I had to kind of think about it and develop it. But with Horrid Henry, um, basically, I am, as I've told you, the eldest of four children. So I know a lot about living in families, and my greatest wish when I was a child was, that, was to be an only child. So that <laughs> I did, we always lived in houses that were quite small. And I always had to share a room with my sister, always, always. And I hated sharing with her. She was 
horrible to share with. And I'm sure she, if she were giving this talk, she would say, I had to share a room with Francesca, and she was so horrible. But truly, truly, she was horrible to share with. She always wanted to go to bed much earlier than I did. She was always taking my things. Anyway, terrible. So um, that helped to write Horrid Enemies. So I'm, I've always been interested in how families work and the sort of funny things that happen. But Horrid Henry started in a really simple way, which was that I was talking on the phone to a friend of mine who's an illustrator, and she only draws pictures of very beautiful, happy children making daisy chains, dancing in the woods, playing beautifully together. And she was just so grumpy, and she just wrote, said, I, I'm so sick of drawing lovely children. Why doesn't someone write a story about somebody horrid? And I went, well, Henry was horrid. Everyone said so, even his mother, which, in fact, is the very first horrid Henry story. And that's, in fact, how it begins. Henry was horrid. Everyone said so, even his mother. And it was the word horrid that stuck in my head. Because in America, we say horrible, not horrid. So it's just a slightly odd word. So I thought, horrid Henry. Um, but then I thought, well, and this is something else that happens to writers all the time, which is you think, a story about somebody naughty. OK, well, there's Just William, Dennis the Menace, there's Pippi Longstaff. There's a million books about this. So I thought, well, how can I make my little story? Because it was just going to be one story, one little story. Um, it was going to, so I thought, how can I make my story different? So I thought, well, maybe there's a brother or a sister. And I thought, well, OK, one of the things you always want to have in your stories is a bit of contrast. It's not much fun to have two characters who are the same. So I thought, OK, if I've got somebody horrid, it might be a good idea to have somebody perfect. So I thought, OK, a perfect younger brother or sister, perfect Peter. So I suddenly had my two characters, which isn't always how I write at all. But in this case, I had my two characters. Um, and then um, I then did something rather silly. Because the first story, because I didn't know it was going to be a book, is about the day that Henry decided to be perfect, which is a very strange thing to do. If you're starting a whole series of books called Horrid Henry, and then in the very first story you say, and he was horrid, but today he's going to be perfect. Is a very strange thing to do, but be, I, you know, I only thought it was going to be one story. Um, but what happened was, um, with the way stories happen is, if you're a writer, you write the story, but I do not turn my books into a final book. When I write something, you know, I write it on my computer at home. You can see there's lots of crossings out. They're messy. Um, I give it to my publisher, who is Orion. And Orion are the ones who, for example, put me together with the brilliant Tony Ross, who I'm so lucky that he draws all the Horrid Henry pictures. Um, so my publishers turn it into a book. Um, so um, it's one of the things is that you, you as a writer, um, don't always have everything that you write published. And when I first read Horrid Henry, it was not accepted by the publisher, because they asked me to write a story for children who were just learning to read. My son Josh was three years old. And for some reason, I was too stupid to go to the library and look at what kind of books you need to read when you're just learning to read. Josh couldn't read. He was a little tiny kid. So I wrote Horrid Henry thinking, well, somebody who's just learning to read, perfect. And I gave it to my publisher. And they said, um, this story isn't for people who are just learning to read. It's too difficult. Now, I have a very brilliant editor. Most publishers then would have said, and I would have put the story in my drawer, and that would have been the end of it. But my, publisher, my editor, Judith, said, I like your story, even though it's not what I asked you to write, which it wasn't. She said, maybe we can add, if you could write three more stories, we can make it into an older book. So the whole way Horrid Henry happened is very um, accidental. I had to write extra stories to make it an older book. Because people say, why do you always have four stories? 
It's a complete accident. I wrote one story and it wasn't right. It was, if it had been a picture book, it would have been perfect, but it was too short for children who've just learned to read. So I had to write more and I absolutely panicked because I've never, I'd never been asked to write a story to command. I always used to sit at home in my office, I'd write the story, I'd send it off, they would say yes or no. So I didn't know if I could write any more stories. It was really difficult. But my son was doing dance classes at the time. He was learning to tap dance, which was very sweet. So I thought, well, Henry could go to a dance class. And then when I was little, I used to love making disgusting food. So I thought, well, Henry can make glop, which is what I used to make. I just try to mix up the most horrible things all together in a bowl. So that was Horrid Henry and Moody Margaret. And then I hate camping. So I thought, well, I'll have Howard Henry go camping, and that will be the end. So I'll just do those four stories, and I'll, that'll be the end of this character. But then very slowly, once a year, my publishers would call and say, can you write another one? Because people always think, because of the way writing is now, that people, you know, they would just rush out a load of books. But I did them one a year. It was never meant to be a series. It's all very accidental. Um, how many of you know the character of Moody Margaret, who's one of my very favorites? Well, I will tell you something interesting about Moody Margaret. Moody Margaret was supposed to be a boy. Moody Margaret started out as someone called Moody Martin. Now, Martin happens to be the name of my husband. <laughs> and when he read the story, for some reason, he wasn't very happy. <laughs> I can't think I would be honored to be in a story, but no, he wasn't happy about being Moody Martin. I was going to say, well, too bad for you. But he pointed out that Moody Martin was a little bit similar to Horrid Henry. Do you remember what I said earlier about having characters who are contrasting with each other? So he said, well, you've got two boys. Why don't you have a girl? which was a brilliant and obvious suggestion. And I thought, Moody Margaret, because I thought she can be a bit like Margaret Thatcher when she was a child, and she can be a bit like my sister says I was, mean and bossy. So that's how Moody Margaret happened, was because my husband said he didn't want to be in a book called Moody Martin. Um, so the characters kind of all evolved. Um, I originally just had Horrid Henry and Perfect Peter and Moody Margaret, and everyone else didn't have names that alliterated. Everyone else just had ordinary names. But then I started really enjoying um, creating all those characters. Um, so I particularly, like people always ask me, you know, wh who's my favorite? Um, I'm very, very fond of Beefy Bert. And can everybody remember the only two things that Beefy Bert ever says? What's that? I don't know. Well, I thought I had just completely made him up. And last summer, I foolishly went on holiday with one of my brothers, now grown up, though you would not know it. His name is Raphael. And I would say things like, Raphael, what do you want to do today? I don't know. Um, should we go to the beach? I don't know. Do you want to go out for dinner? I don't know. And I said, oh. You were Beefy Bert. I had no idea. But both my brothers do that. And somewhere in the back of my head, I remembered that that is my brother, who, believe it or not, now runs an enormous business. And he runs a business, he has a 1,000 employees, and I don't know how they take him seriously. Because to me, all he ever says is, I don't know. But that's Beefy Bert is definitely both my brothers. Um, the other characters, let's see, well, the way I come up with the names for my characters is I always think of an, a mean adjective, like rude or lazy or, you know, anxious, not mean, but just weepy, and then I find a name to suit. But there are a few characters, and I'm always inventing new characters, there are a few characters that are actually based on real people. Uh, how many of you have read Horrid Henry Wakes the Dead? Okay. Um, 
How many of you went, did any of you here go yesterday to Stephen Butler's event, The Wrong Pong? Some of you did. Well, there's a character in Horrid Henry Wakes the Dead um, called Stone Age Stephen, who's actually based on Steve, the writer Stephen Butler, because Stephen is also an actor, and he played Horrid Henry on stage. And um, he was once having coffee with me, and he was really annoyed about his phone, and he just went, uh, my phone is so old and horrible. My horrid Henry name would be Stone Age Stephen. And I went, yes, the boy who wants to be a caveman. And all he ever says is, ugh. So Stephen very kindly took some very funny pictures of himself making faces, and we sent them to Tony Ross. Um, so he's now in the book as Stone Age Stephen because he gave me that name. And do any of you know the character called Needy Neil? Little needy Neil, who's Weepy William's younger brother, and all he ever says is, I want my mama. Um, needy Neil is also based on a friend named Neil, who just once said, well, my horrid Henry name would be Needy Neil. Occasionally, people do give me good names, not always. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit more about some of, the, I, some of the way I've come up with some of the ideas. Horrid Henry's underpants, yes. I am very pleased to show you today <laughs> Horrid Henry's underpants. Now, my son always thinks that I should, I should do my events wearing these. I like to tell him that they were not made to size. Um, but on the back, these underpants say, Koszmarny Karolik, which is Horrid Henry in Polish, which means nightmarish Charles. And because Horrid Henry is published all over the world in 27 countries, so Horrid Henry has lots of different names. So in, in Polish, she's Koszmarny Karolik. And my publisher there um, had all these underpants made, and every bookshop that Horrid Henry was in had these clothing lines strung across the bookshop with all of Horrid Henry's underpants on them. And I thought they were so wonderful, I had to have them. But in Spanish, Horrid Henry is Pablo Diablo. Um, and um, his teacher, Miss Badalax, poor Miss Badalax, um, Miss Badalax in the Spanish book is Signorina Guillotina, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. I love that so much. I don't read Spanish, but you know it's going to be a good translation when you have Signorina Guillotina. Um, dear Miss Badalax, um, as some of you know, Miranda Richardson reads all the Horrid Henry stories really brilliantly, and she always says she feels very, Miss Badalax is her, one of her favorites, and she always feels very sorry for her, because she has such trouble kind of maintaining this classroom. But the, the way I got the idea for Horrid Henry's underpants is, I was thinking about the fact that everybody has in their drawer a pair of terrible underpants. You know, the falling down underpants, the pants with the elastic that doesn't work, the holes. And what you do is instead of turning it into a rag, people just shove them to the back of the underwear drawer. And then one terrible day, no one has done the laundry, and you're down to the terrible underpants. OK, well, this happened to me. And unfortunately, I was doing an event at the time, so I spent the whole event tugging on my underpants. Not a great day. but. What I do when something kind of unpleasant happens to me is I often think, what would Horrid Henry do? So for example, Horrid Henry's knits. Now, can anybody think how in the world I could have come up with a story for Horrid Henry's knits? Any, how do you think, big voice? Sorry? You, yes, how do you think I came up with the idea for Horrid Henry's knits? Can you think? Uh, because I have knits. Well, you know, usually people say your son had knits. But the truth is, yes, I got them from, well, I actually think I, I don't have them now. Don't worry. <laughs> but I didn't know what they were. My, just my head was very itchy. And you can see how much hair I have. So I went to the doctor, because I didn't know what was wrong. And she said to me, I'm very, God, it makes me scratch. Um, she said to me, I'm very sorry you have knits. And sa unfortunately, she had a, a young medical student in with her. And you know, they're learning how to be 
kind and thoughtful and sensitive to their patients. And when she said to me, I'm sorry, you have nits, he went like that. <laughs> so I felt really marvelous that I was crawling with nits. And so I thought, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. I'm not going to tell anybody. So I had to go to the supermarket, and I'm walking down the aisles thinking, I have nits, I have nits, I have nits. And who do I see walking down but a mother I know from my son's school, who also, unfortunately, is also a publisher. She's the one who published, what, what does the hippopotamus say? And I thought, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Hi, Mary. Hi, Francesca. Mary, I have nits! <laughs> and she said, so do I. It's terrible. And I realized that everybody had them, but nobody talked about it. And a friend of mine had to go to the Houses of Parliament to testify for something, because she was a very senior person in government. And she said to me, all I could think about was, with the television cameras, see all the nits jumping on my head. So I thought, wow, this is a book. This is a Horrid Henry story. And it was the fourth Horrid Henry story, Horrid Henry's Knits. And it was actually the book that made Horrid Henry quite popular. So that was, that was a useful day. Um, Horrid Henry and the Mega Mean Time Machine, a favorite of mine. And my sister reminded me that we used to play time machines when we were little with cardboard boxes. So I sometimes get ideas from things that have happened, things that people tell me. Um, with Horrid Henry Robs the Bank, how many people here have enjoyed playing the game Monopoly? Aha, lots of you, me too. How many people here have enjoyed cheating at Monopoly? Okay, <laughs> yes. Um, my son, Josh, actually learned to read by playing Monopoly because he was convinced that I was cheating, which I was not. But he thought when I had to read those chance cards to him that I was making it up. You know, the player next to you must pay 10 pounds. He just didn't believe me. So he decided he was going to learn to read to see if I was really cheating. But Horrid Henry Robs the Bank is based on a story that someone told me of the most incredible monopoly cheat ever. Here's what he did. He used to play Monopoly with the boy next door. He would pretend, through their game, that he had to use the loo. Instead of using the loo, he would sneak next door to his friend's house, go to his room, go to his Monopoly set, steal loads of money from the bank, run back home, and sneak it under the, he'd hide the money under the board, so suddenly, he'd have all this money. And when his friend questioned it, he just said, it was hidden. I, I've, I had it under the board. You just didn't know. And I thought, that's a horrid Henry cheat. Right, now I um, will tell you a little bit about the brand new horrid Henry book, Horrid Henry and the Zombie Vampire. And I got the idea for the zombie vampire because, as some of you may have realized, vampires are a little bit in the air at the moment. And there's, in, I was in America recently, and there's an there was an entire wall in the bookshelf just dedicated to books about vampires. They were all black, and I thought, wow. This is really bizarre. Why are there so many books and films and stories about vampires? I thought, what would Horrid Henry's story? And my original idea was to call it Horrid Henry and the Zombie Werewolf Vampire, because I thought we'd just throw all of those ideas in. But I thought that was too long. So I wanted the story to be about um, how Horrid Henry tries to trick Perfect Peter into thinking that Miss Battleax and Miss Lovely are zombie vampires. Um, the other story in this that I really like is called Horrid Henry and the Mad Professor. Because one of the, the, the stories I collect from people is how children, how older children, older, the oldest brother and sister trick the younger ones into doing all their chores for them. 
And I have collected amazing stories in my time of how all the tricks that older kids have played. I don't know why I missed this out on mine. I would have loved to have done it. But it's how Horrid Henry gets all of Peter's money and makes him do all his chores. Um, the other story is called Horrid Henry and the Nudie Foodie, which is um, about, obviously, a chef who comes into a school to turn the school into a healthy and nutritious food school. And Horrid Henry, as you can imagine, is very keen on this. And the story I'm going to read to you today is called Horrid Henry Writes a Story. Now, this is actually based on a true story that Stephen Butler, who wrote The Wrong Pong, told me. And very funny, one of the things about Stephen Butler that's interesting is that his headmaster, when he was at primary school, was the writer Jeremy Strong. Because Jeremy Strong used to be a teacher. And they were just talking today because Jeremy didn't know that this had happened when Stephen was at school. But Stephen once stole his sister's story and pretended it was his. And something really awful happened, which was that he had to read the story to his sister's class. <laughs> I thought this was a brilliant story for Horrid Henry, but I've, I've, I've made a few changes. So this is the way writers work. Someone tells you something good, you think, can I? I said, can I have that? He said, yeah. So I've changed it for Horrid Henry. So you'll find out today, with pictures, what happened when Horrid Henry wrote a story. Everyone ready to listen? Yeah. yeah. OK. <clears throat> I better be near the water. OK. Horrid Henry writes a story. No! screamed Horrid Henry. No! Don't be horrid, Henry, said Dad. We'd love to hear your new story, Peter, said Mom. I wouldn't, said Henry. Don't be rude, Henry, said Dad. Horrid Henry stuck his fingers in his ears and glared. Ah! Wasn't it bad enough that he had to sit at the table in front of a disgusting plate filled with yuck sprouts and blech peas instead of the chips and pizza he had begged Dad to cook for dinner? Did he really have to listen to Peter droning on as well? This was torture. This was a cruel and unusual punishment. Did any child in the world ever suffer as much as Henry? It was so unfair. Mum and Dad wouldn't let him play the killer boy rats during dinner, but now they wanted to force him to listen to Peter read his stupid story. Peter wrote the world's worst stories. If they weren't about fairies, they were about kittens, or butterflies, or little elves that helped humans with their chores. His last one was all about the stupid adventures of Peter's favorite plastic sheep, Fluff Puff, and the terrible day his pink and yellow nose turned blue. The king of the sheep had to come and wave his magic hoof to change it back. Henry shuddered, just remembering. And then Henry had shouted that a woodsman who really fancied a lamb chop had nabbed Fluff Puff, and then Mum and Dad had sent him to his room. Perfect Peter unfolded his piece of paper and cleared his throat. My story is called Butterfly Fairies Paint the Rainbow, said Peter. Ah! said Henry. What a lovely title, said Mum. She glared at Henry. Can't wait to hear it, said Dad. Stop playing with your food, Henry, he added, as Horrid Henry started squishing peas under his knife. Once upon a time, there lived seven butterfly fairies. There was one for every color of the rainbow. Dance and prance, prance and dance, went the butterfly fairies every day. Henry groaned. 
That's just copying Daffy and her dancing daisies. I'm not copying, said Perfect Peter. R2, am not. Don't be horrid, Henry, said Mum. Peter, that's a lovely story so far. Go on, what happens next? The butterfly fairies also kept the rainbow lovely and shiny. Every fairy polished their own color every day. But one day the butterfly fairies looked up at the sky. Whoopsie-daisy! All the colors had fallen off the rainbow. Call the police, said Horrid Henry. Mom, Henry keeps interrupting me, wailed Peter. Stop it, Henry, said Mom. The fairies ran to tell their queen what had happened, read Peter. All the colors of the rainbow fell down, cried the butterfly fairies. Oh, no! Oh, wow! Boo-hoo! Boo-hoo! Scratch! Scrape! Horrid Henry started grinding his knife into his plate. Stop that, Henry, said Dad. I'm just eating my dinner, said Henry. He sighed loudly. You're always telling me to use my knife, and now I am, and you tell me to stop. Perfect Peter raised his voice. Don't cry, butterfly fairies, said the queen. We'll just scrape. Horrid Henry scraped louder. Mom, wailed Peter. He's trying to ruin my story. There's nothing to ruin, said Henry. Be quiet, Henry, said Dad. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Henry burped. Henry, I'm warning you. I didn't say anything, said Henry. Mom, I'm just getting to the really exciting bit, said Peter. Henry's spoiling it. Go on, Peter. We're all listening, said Mom. Don't cry, butterflies, said the Queen. We'll just have to pick up our magic paint pots and color it back in. Yay, said the fairies. Let's get to work. Blah, said Horrid Henry, pretending to vomit and knocking a few sprouts onto the floor. Henry, I'm warning you, said Mom. Sorry, Peter. I'll paint the rainbow blue, said, butter, said Blue Butterfly. I'll paint the rainbow orange, said Orange Butterfly. I'll paint the rainbow green, said Green Butterfly. I'll paint, I'll paint the rainbow black and hang skulls on it, said Terminator Butterfly, <laughs> snarled Horrid Henry. Mom, wailed Peter. Henry's interrupting me again. Henry. This is your final warning, said Dad. If I hear one more word out of you, no TV for a week. Then the fairy queen picked up the paint pots and <laughs> and the butterfly fairies were so happy that they began to sing. Tee-hee, tra-la, tra-la, tra-la. We are dainty little fairies and we play and sing all day. Maybe you can come and join us. Then we'll paint the day away. Tee-hee-hee-hee. Tra-la-la-la. Blah-blah-blah-blah. <laughs> Snarled Horrid Henry. He hadn't thought that Peter could write a worse story than The Adventures of Fluff Puff, but he was wrong. That's the worst story I ever heard, said Horrid Henry. Henry, be quiet, said Dad. Horrid Henry's fingers curled round a sprout. What did you think of my story, Mum, said Peter. That was the best story I ever heard, said Mum. Well done, Peter, said Dad. Boing, a sprout hit perfect Peter on the head. Ow, Henry just threw a sprout at me, wailed Peter. Didn't, said Henry. It slipped off my fork. That's it, Henry, shouted Dad. Go to your room, Henry, shouted Mum. Horrid Henry leapt down from the table and began to stomp. Look at me! I'm a butterfly fairy! <laughs> Horrid Henry stomped upstairs to his bedroom. It was so unfair. In olden days, when people hadn't enjoyed a play, didn't they throw tomatoes and rotten oranges at the stage? He was only being historical. Peter was lucky he hadn't thrown much worse at him. Well, he'd show everyone how it was done. He'd write the greatest story ever. 
all about King Harry the, the Horrible and his wicked wife, Queen Gertrude the Gruesome. They would spend their days cackling and making evil plans. Horrid Henry lay down on his bed. He'd get writing as soon as he finished this week's Screamin' Demon comic. Margaret, stop shouting! Stephen, stop grunting! William, stop weeping! Henry, just stop! Everyone, be quiet! yelled Miss Battleaxe. She mopped her brow. One day, she would retire to a war zone and enjoy the peace and quiet. <laughs> I have to say, there's a lovely picture of Miss Battleaxe lying on a chair, reading with her comfy slippers while things are exploding around her. Until then, she glared at her class. Now, I want everyone to settle down and write a story. Horrid Henry scowled. Miss Battleaxe always hated his stories, even Henry's brilliant one about the troll werewolf mummies who hid beneath teachers' beds and snapped on their toes. She hadn't even liked his cannibal can-can story about the cannibal dance troupe who ate their way across Europe. It was hard, heavy work writing a story. Why should he bother when his efforts met with so little reward? What was that stupid thing Peter had read out last night? That would do. Quickly, Horrid Henry scribbled down Peter's dreadful butterfly fairy story. Miss Battleaxe didn't deserve anything better. Now, done, back to his comic. Screamin' Demon was just about to discover where the master of the macabre had hidden his treasure. Horrid Henry felt a long fingernail poke into his shoulder. He looked up into Miss Battleaxe's evil eye. And why aren't you writing your story, Henry? hissed Miss Battleaxe. Horrid Henry smiled. Because I finished it, said Henry. You finished it, said Miss Battleaxe. She tugged on her ear. Perhaps it was time she had her earwax removed again. Yup, said Henry. Let me see, said Miss Battleaxe, holding out a bony claw. Tee-hee, thought Horrid Henry, handing her the story. She doesn't believe me. Wouldn't batty old Miss Battleaxe get a surprise? Hmm, said Miss Battleaxe after she'd finished reading. Hmm, butterfly fairies paint the rainbow. Hmm. She stared at Henry and tried to smile but her mouth had trouble turning up due to lack of practice. <laughs> Much better than usual, Henry. Henry stared. The men in white coats would be coming to take Miss Battleaxe away any moment if she liked this story better than his others. In fact, in fact, I want you to go now to Miss Lovely's class and read it out loud to the infants. They'll love it. What? No! Perfect Peter's class sat expectantly on the carpet as Horrid Henry stood before them, story in hand. Now everyone would think he'd written this stupid story. Moody Margaret would tease him until he was old and gray and toothless. But what could he do? He was trapped. Putterfer Pentarumble mumbled Horrid Henry. Speak up, Henry, said Miss Lovely. Don't be shy. We're so looking forward to your story. Butterfly fairies paint the rainbow, hissed Horrid Henry. Perfect Peter's jaw dropped. Too late, Henry realized his mistake. Writing a story about butterfly fairies was bad enough, but he'd never hear the end of it if people found out he'd copied his younger brother's story. Though even Peter wouldn't be such a telltale, would he? Peter put his hand in the air. Miss Lovely, that's my began Peter. Just kidding, said Horrid Henry hastily. My story is really called, uh, Butterfly Fairies Fight the Giants. He glanced down at his story, changing words as he read. Once upon a time, there lived two hideous giants, King Harry the Horrible and Queen Gertrude the, the Gruesome. Stamp and stomp, Stomp and stamp went the hideous giants every day. 
They liked stomping on fairies, especially the butterfly fairies who polished the rainbow every day. One day, the giants looked up at the sky. Whoopsie-daisy, all the butterfly fairies had fallen off the rainbow. Oh, what fun, cackled King Harry the Horrible, squishing the blue butterfly fairy. Yippee, squealed Queen Gertrude the Gruesome, squashing the orange butterfly fairy. Ha ha, they both shrieked, stomping on the green butterfly fairy. Perky Parveen looked shocked. Spotless Stam began to sniff. I'm going to roast those fairies for dinner, said Queen Gertrude the Gruesome. Yum, yum, she drooled as the delicious smell of cooked fairy wafted through the castle kitchen. Then the queen picked up the fairy bones and Miss Lovely looked pale. <laughs> oh no, what now, thought Horrid Henry desperately. He'd reached Peter's horrible fairy song. Tee-hee, tra-la, tra-la, tra-la. We are dainty little fairies and we play and sing. Oh. Horrid Henry took a deep breath. King Harry the Horrible and Queen Gertrude the Gruesome were so happy that they began to sing. Tee-hee, ha-ha, ha-ha, ha-ha. We are big and ugly giants and we belch and kill all day. Maybe you can come and, maybe we can come and find you, then we'll squish your guts away. <laughs> Tee-hee-hee-hee-ha-ha-ha-ha, bellowed Horrid Henry. Perky Parveen began to cry. The fairies got squished, sobbed Lisping Lily. I don't want the giants to eat the fairies, shrieked Tidy Ted. I'm scared, howled helpful Hari. I want my mama, wept Needy Neil. Wah! wailed the infants. Horrid Henry was thrilled. What a reaction! I'll add a bit more, thought Horrid Henry. This is such a great story, it's a shame to end it here. Let's find some bunnies, snarled the giants. <laughs> I'm sure, stop, stop, said Miss Lovely. She looked ashen. Better go back to your class, she whispered. What had Miss Battleax been thinking? Horrid Henry shook his head and closed the door on the screaming, howling class. Wow, what a great story he'd written. Maybe he should be an author when he grew up. <laughs> I should tell you that the real life story that I took this from, the story that Stephen stole from his big sister was in fact called Butterfly Fairies Paint the Rainbow. But when he was sent to the older class, his sister just sat there and went, but because Stephen was little, he just went and just carried on reading and his sister didn't tell on him. So I think I've improved it slightly. That wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't be a very good story if Perfect Theater had just stood there. I always knew I would change the story. So you can see how I took something that happened in real life and then made it work for Horrid Henry. Now I'm really happy to answer any questions. And I think we should have two ushers running up and down the aisles with microphones. So when you have a microphone, say your story. And if the ushers could just point to who is speaking. So get ready. So if you choose someone, put your hand up if you have a question. And when you have the microphone, speak, and then get ready for the second person. Okay, go ahead. And everyone needs to listen so I can hear. Yes, go ahead. Well, are you going to do any more Horrid Henry books apart from the one you just did? I am going to do four more, uh, definitely. I'm working on the next, the new one as we speak. I'm not sure what it's going to be called. Um, and I'm not even sure of all the stories yet. But yes, I am, I am doing some more. Go ahead. If you could just be all ready for the next question. Thanks. How old is Horrid Henry? How old do you think Horrid Henry is? I never say how old he is because children as young as four and as old as 19 read Horrid Henry. It's true. Um, I like to think of him as being about eight years old. 
but he could be anything. If you've, some of you notice, he seems younger in the younger books, and he slightly gets a little bit older in the older ones, but that's an accident. Okay, next. Are you going to make any new characters? I like to make up a new character in every book. Um, I think the most recent one, though, is Stone Age Steven, so I need to come up with some new ones. But I love making new characters, but I kind of make them up as they happen. It, it just sort of depends if someone says something funny, or I hear a funny name, or I need someone new. Um, yes? Nim. Next question? Why did yeah, where Hobbit are you? Henry change his story? Sorry? Why did Hobbit Henry change his story? He changed the story because he was too embarrassed to read a, a story about little rainbow fairies uh, painting, a little fairies, butterfly fairies painting a rainbow. He thought that would be a very embarrassing story to write. So, because he thinks it's such a bad story, he just did copied it because it was lazy. He's lazy. He didn't think it was a good story. Go ahead. How many books are Bossy Bellin? Say that again. How many books are Bossy Bellin? How many books? I'm sorry, I couldn't. Bossy Bell and. Bossy Bill. Yes. Oh, how many? Um, he's in about two stories. In fact, he's in the new story because I'm going to have Henry spend a weekend with him, and who should Bossy Bill's best friend be but stuck-up Steve? So Henry's going to have two evil enemies on his hand. And Horrid Henry's going to, uh, yeah, because I'm interested, Horrid Henry's going to make a horror movie in the new book, I think. <laughs> yes? Go ahead. How many books have you um, made in total? I've written over 50 books. I've sort of lost track, but this is the 20th Horrid Henry storybook. Go ahead. Well, what was your, what was, do you think your best book was? What's my best book? Well, I always like my most recent book because I'm very fickle. If I had loads of children, I'd probably always just like the newest one, um, <laughs> um, which is terrible. I, I always really like my newest one, but my favorite story is probably Horrid Henry Gets Rich Quick, which is when Horrid Henry sells Perfect Peter in a jumble sale. Because <laughs> um, that story makes me laugh so much. Because my son was very interested in having a jumble sale. And I thought, I said to myself, what would Horrid Henry sell? And I thought, well, he'd sell Peter. Um, so that story makes me laugh a lot. Yes? How did you get your books turned into a TV series? Um, well, because the books were really, really popular. So a lot of television companies wanted to adapt it. But I don't, have, I don't do anything with the TV series. I just do the books. So I didn't actually do anything. Yeah. Who's your favorite TV character? Well, who's your favorite character? My favorite Horrid Henry character. Mm -hmm. My favorite Horrid Henry character. Um, well, I mean, I obviously like Henry, but I quite, I like um, Moody Margaret a lot. And I like Peter because nobody likes Peter. And I feel a bit sorry for him because he tries so hard to be good and it gets him nowhere. So it's a terrible lesson, all he wants to do. Because even parents don't like Peter, which is a shame for him. Why uh, does he like books? Why does what? Why does he like books? Why do I write books? Well. I like reading more than anything in the world. I was always a really, really big reader. And um, I love inventing stories and living with my imagination. So to me, it's a great privilege to write books. Yes, go ahead. Um, big what, voice. What was your um, What do you think of the new, um, what do you think of the new movie? I haven't seen the new movie, because I've had nothing to do with it. And you can draw whatever conclusion you like from that. Why do you like writing Horrid Henry so much? OK, I love writing Horrid Henry, because he makes me laugh a lot. Because think about it. When I was, you know, I was somebody who was incredibly well-behaved at school. I mean, I was 
the best little girl in the class. And at home, I was the most horrible monster. So um, I like it because I tend to be more like Perfect Peter than Horrid Henry. So it's fun for me to write about somebody who is kind of chaotic and who just does things that I'd be much too scared to do. And he really makes me laugh because he's fearless and because he gets up to things that I would, I mean, I think it's one reason that, that a lot of people like Horrid Henry, because he is quite brave. And also because he doesn't think ahead, and we all think ahead, and he doesn't. Not that that's an admirable thing, but it's fun to kind of be impish. And so I enjoy that side of things. And I also enjoy just changing things I hear into Horrid Henry stories. Yep. Uh, where did you get the idea for Stuck Up Steve? Ah, Stuck Up Steve. Um, I was thinking about the way that, um, he's not based on a real person, but I was thinking about the way that when you're a child, people always think, you're seven years old, I know someone who's seven years old, you'll play together. And when my son was tiny, he was about four or five months old, I had a very good friend who had a, a baby the same age, and I have to say these two babies looked at each other, her son and my son, they hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. And my friend was very nice and we just said, we talked about it, we said, okay, the kids can't stand each other. So let's just do things where they're strapped in. <laughs> so <laughs> we would take them places where they couldn't get at each other. But they had this immediate dislike. They just didn't like each other. It was very funny. They really didn't like each other. Um, but luckily, she was a good friend, so we could be honest about it. And rather than pretending that, oh, isn't it sweet the way they're always hitting each other? <laughs> um, or the way they're always screaming together. We just said, we like being together. We'll just keep them separate. But if you're related to someone, if you have a cousin, you know, it's often convenient for the parents, if you're friends with someone, to say, oh, we're going to have so-and-so over to play. And you're thinking, not her. I hate her. She's horrible. So I was thinking just about being stuck with a mean cousin. And the way you're, you're often just thrown with people that you don't want to be with. Yes, go ahead. Why didn't you make a character of yourself? I have. Oh, you mean why didn't I do like fabulous Francesca? <laughs> just, just something like that. Um, well, I sort of have with Moody Margaret. Um, but it would be kind of hard if I used the name Francesca. I mean, that would be a little bit self-referential, I think. Um, so I've used a lot of myself from Moody Margaret. And the only thing that I did, my son's name is Josh. So I couldn't do a mean one for him, so I did Jolly Josh. But my, Josh is always complaining that Jolly Josh has no character. All he kind of does is go, hi, because um, he's jolly. You see, the nice characters don't have anything to do. Um, go ahead. Next one, go ahead. Um, when are you going to release your next Horrid Henry book? Say that again. When are you going to release your next Horrid Henry book? Read my next one, or write my next one. Sorry? When oh, sorry. To release your next oh, Henry well, book. this one is being published on September 1st, but very exceptionally, the Edinburgh Literary Festival is the only place in the entire world that there are some copies of this book. But it's actually not being published for another two weeks. And then the next one won't be for another year. Which other author is your biggest rival? Say again? Which other author is my biggest rival? <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. I've never been asked that. Um, it's a, that's a really, really good question, actually. Because one of the great and delightful things about being a children's writer is that by, we do tend to all get on very well because children need a lot of books. And unless I'm going to write a 1,000 books a year, we all kind of need each other. So for example, I'm very good friends with Andy Stanton, who writes the Mr. Gum books, and I'm very good friends with Jacqueline Wilson. Um, and because we sort of see it as we're like Julia Donaldson, who writes The Gruffalo. So Julia, her books kind of, her readers then grow up, and then they start reading me. And then my readers grow up, and they start reading, you know, Anthony Horowitz or, or, Julia or, or Jacqueline. So we all kind of need each other. So in a, in a way, 
it's more complementary. I know that sounds odd, but it's actually true that I, I want people to be able to read. And children need loads and loads and loads of books. So I, I couldn't, if Julia Donaldson didn't exist, I wouldn't have any readers for my book. So I need, I, I actively need other writers to be very successful and to sell loads of books because then I'm creating lots and lots and lots of readers. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So, um, I mean, the people I've named, obviously, are all really successful writers. Um, but it is, it's, it's less competitive than, let's say, adult writers. Because, you know, there's a limited number of adults. And then, but there's always more children. So, um, thank you so much. You've been a fantastic audience. I've really had a great time today. I hope you guys have. I have. Thanks. Can I just very quickly thank again Francesco for an amazing session and for giving us a preview of our new book. Can we also give thanks to Rachel, who's done a fantastic job of signing this session. So a quick round of applause for Rachel. And one more round of applause for our wonderful author, Francesca Simon. Thank you. Remember, signing in the signing tent, where you're all going now. More podcasts, videos and live recordings of author events can be found at www.edbookfest.co.uk.